Hi, it's Dustin Lanier. Thanks for listening. Please find me on LinkedIn for original public sector operations content every week. And please reach out to me if I and my team of procurement professionals at Civic Initiatives can help you be a public procurement change agent. So today we're going to talk about uh, sustainability in public procurement and how procurement shops are able to incorporate the kind of environmentally preferred standards in. We have a pretty substantial survey that we're going to try to roll out um, starting tomorrow on environmentally preferred purchasing. So uh, I've got Julia Wolf with us who runs a program like that for the state of uh, Massachusetts. So Julia, if you can introduce yourself and maybe talk a little bit about your program. Sure. I, I was very impressed with that it seemed both effective and pretty practical. So I'm, I'm interested in what you're doing. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate um, the invitation to come and talk with you guys. And, you know, I'm constantly learning as well. Um, there's just so much happening out there and so many great ideas. Um, so I'm the director of environmental purchasing. I, um, at the operational services division in the Commonwealth, we are the procurement arm. We set up master blankets um, for goods and services. So we're not, um, we don't do, you know, construction projects, but we're just solely goods and services. And um, so there's actually been an environmentally preferable products procurement program around for probably 23 years now. So we're a pretty mature program. Um, and then back in 2009, um, <clears throat> I wasn't here at the time, but there was, um, we uh, signed uh, an executive order, uh, 515, establishing an environmental purchasing policy for the Commonwealth which um, sort of shifted focus a little bit more on toxics and products. Um, so we have a toxic reduction task force, we get together multi-agency um, and discuss products on contracts that have toxics and are there alternatives and trying to come up with ideas and projects and um, specifications uh, to go into contracts. So the way that our program works um, so I'm a dedicated, you know, employee that's sitting with all of the contract managers. Um, and I, I do I highly recommend that. Um, I know that a lot of uh, sort of similar positions of that to, to myself are located within the sort of Department of Environmental Protection or the Sustainability Department um, in the public sector. And, uh, you know, it's really important to have a very good relationship with the procurement programs because there's just a whole different way of doing things, you know, with procurement. And just to let you guys know, my, my background is actually environmental. I worked for the EPA. I worked for the Department of Environmental Protection. And when I came into procurement, I had zero, you know, I had no um, procurement background. Um, and it just have been super surprised at how complex it is um, and how strategic it is. And that's why, you know, we're strategic sourcing. That's what we're called now. It's a lot of strategy that goes on in there. So what we do with our program um, is, you know, the biggest thing is really trying to make sure that, you um, 
environmental products are in the conversation when we're bidding contracts or rebidding. And um, we've set up a program, uh, a process, sorry, with our strategic sourcing managers where they come to me and I'm kind of like a consultant, quite frankly, within the strategic sourcing unit. And we go over where the opportunities are for for the bid. Um, I'm not sitting on the strategic sourcing teams anymore. I used to, um, but what we try to do is pull me out so that I'm providing assistance um, and direction to the contract managers who are running the strategic sourcing teams. Um, And, you know, the biggest piece of this is really trying to make, and I just keep repeating this, making sure that environmental considerations and health considerations are really part of that discussion of best value. Um, and, and that's just super important. And, um, you know, I, I think that it's, we've come a long way. Um, there's still, you know, place, we still have a path to go, um, but we've come a long way in that. And, and so now with the strategic sourcing leads, I work directly with them. We come up with a plan um, of action, how how we're going to sort of be thinking about the, the, the contracts and the specifications and really trying to integrate specifications, environmental and health specifications into those contracts. Um, so the sourcing teams, they decide ultimately what's going to be in the bid. Um, so I sort of help with research, development, write, writing the specs, and uh, really being in touch with all of my counterparts throughout the country um, and with many nonprofit organizations as well uh, to try and understand what's new out there and mm-hmm. what, are, what are the things that folks are doing. And we really try to use third-party certifications as much as possible. Um, we'll, we'll, and, we'll, and we'll come back to, to that because there's a web of those, right? So, but let's, let's come around the room a little bit on um, how some others are trying to, to create that consultative relationship between the people who know sustainability and the people who are doing procurement. Um, I'm going to go to Justin next because he let me know he's has a, a limited window. And then plus he also doesn't get to, um, to come up on stage with us all the time. So I'm very interested in, in how University of California system is dealing with some of these same issues. Cause of course, I'm sure that environment is important as part of as one of the, uh, the the sourcing pillars there. So, Justin, you run the strategic sourcing characteristics. So, do you guys do anything in the zone of what Julia was talking about, or or how do you try to make it so that the people who are doing sourcing can figure out how to tap into the sustainability knowledge without getting totally bogged down in the process of trying to think it? Yeah, that's a that's a great uh, question and and really. Um, Glad I could be with you today. Uh, you know, in strategic sourcing at the University of California, we're we're lucky that um, our institution is particularly animated by sustainability. Um, in terms of, of finding people to participate in projects, um, it activates students, many of whom are choosing to um, develop skills that they will use to pursue a career. Uh, in a sustainability-related field, uh, it animates our staff and our, and our researcher. But at the same time, uh, when you get into a strategic sourcing process, um, it can be difficult to translate that commitment into um, tactical 
um, tactical things or, or specific things that you can evaluate. Uh, so we handle it in a couple of ways. First of all, uh, in our policy for the setup of best value evaluation, we require 15% of points to be awarded uh, for sustainability um, criteria. Um, our definition of, of sustainability actually also uh, includes uh, diverse business-related uh, criteria as well, but um, but uh, that means that uh, as we consider all the factors that go into a decision, we're going to consider environmental sustainability as well. Um, we have a sustainable sustainability sustainable policy working group uh, that um, often will consult with our project teams about different uh, ways to. Uh, consider sustainability in a category. Uh, we're members of the Sustainable Purchasing Leadership Council. Um, they provide uh, a wealth of resources in terms of thinking about how to evaluate sustainability related to specific categories. And then when it comes time for purchasing and when we have purchasing that's happening through contracted relationships, uh, we do focus on, on recognizing, um, recognizing third-party certifications uh, and using that to, as, as sort of a compass for people to, to make product decisions as they go through their their day-to-day -day purchasing. Very interesting. So, And we're going to be doing a survey starting tomorrow that is trying to dig into some of what requirements tend to get hit consistently and what certifications are recognized. And it's it can be pretty overwhelming. I've been enjoying my discussions with different procurement or not procurement, with sustainability-oriented folks in the last week or so as we've been trying to tone this thing up. Uh, Jamie, you helped me connect with your point person in Maine, and she was super helpful. So what have you heard so far? And, and add something to our discussion about uh, how sustainability and procurement can touch and be effective together. Yeah, I think, Dustin Ray, it's, I always, whenever you ask me that question on, on any of our Clubhouse chats, I go back to why is it important? What are we doing? Get everybody on the same page. And I think I think everybody can kind of agree that thinking about environmentally preferable purchasing in a sustainable way is um, this concept of reducing the negative effect on the environment and increasing the a positive effect on human health and the environment. So Governor Mills in the state of Maine released an executive order and um, shortly thereafter a lead by example report, which if you do a Google search, it's it's going to come up. And so what that really means from our state perspective is that we're focused on a couple different initiatives. It's um, reducing greenhouse gas emissions and. Um, prioritizing energy efficient initiatives in state-owned facilities, transitioning to 100% clean energy for all state operations by 2024, emphasizing climate-friendly building products, um, purchasing 100% light-duty zero-emission vehicles, uh, extend flexible teleworking options, right? Grow the share of local food purchased by state government, um, by X amount of percentage. So when we think about purchasing and procurement and sustainability and environmentally preferred, it touches almost every facet of our lives from the very small basic things that we can do as individuals, not bringing the plastic fork, not using 
the plastic straw and instead taking a reusable fork that you can wash, taking your own water bottle, all the way up to buying your cars, changing the buildings. Um, And again, procurement is always that centrifugal force that you have to get through in order to get from A to Z. To be successful, procurement has to understand what, what the status is today, what the goal that we're trying to achieve, and then setting the milestones, working with the marketplace to figure out how to get there. So I will use just quickly, Dustin, the, the ZEV vehicles, for example. Many states have taken this initiative. Let's move towards electric cars, electric charging stations. Let's move away from the traditional um, gasoline-fueled vehicles. And how does that work from a state perspective when the marketplace hasn't caught up yet? California is probably a great example. You can find um, electric vehicles all over the place. But in the state of Maine, where our climate is very different, we are having a hard time getting bids in from vendors just to provide us the vehicles. So that's where it's a critical component to make sure that we are having the discussions with the marketplace to say, here's what our goal is. How can you how can you help us? And by by having these types of conversations, we're only that much farther along to really preserving the very few resources, precious resources that we have on the earth today, right? And happy Earth Day. I had a fantastic weekend. I went, did some great hiking and uh, out in nature, got eaten by mosquitoes, which are popular this time of year, and of course the ticks and stuff up here. So there's lots of, lots of conversations happening around Earth Day, and I'm just, I'm excited that this type of conversation is interweaving with procurement. Yeah, and we're, you know, we're going to try to roll a survey out to uh, as many public sector folks as we can do on how they try to infuse these concepts into their procurements. And then we're also going to ask corporate which, which sort of certifications and eco labels that they end up using to try to uh, maybe do some analysis against it. So uh, if you're listening, I would encourage you to take a look at that survey when it comes out tomorrow and uh, let me know if you want to go through it together. Let me ask a more generally open question. How do we make it so that end users know what they're buying has gone through that process? If you look back at that 21 for 2021 sheet that I did on the kind of content we want to focus on this year is for my company, I wrote about sustainability being infused into everyday buying. So I'm interested in how, you know, Julia, I know you guys have a guide, but it's not necessarily connected to your marketplace. So what are some of the best practices or the directions to how we let people know by this as opposed to that, you're making a better choice against our goals? Well, one of the things that we've really been focusing on and uh, working with the National Association of State Procurement Officials on as well is, is pushing our vendors um, when they have websites with products and services or services that they're selling um, to make sure that those products and services that have um, third-party certifications are identified um, and not just with a green leaf, um, but with the actual certification that it, 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 it has. Um, and, and that's going to be, that, that provides a lot more transparency. I'm, I'm very wary of a lot of greenwashing that happens. Um, 
and, you know, making sure the vendors, um, you know, aren't just putting a green leaf on something and then we have no idea why it's considered environmentally preferable. So that's that's just one thing that I, I think is super important. I, I do, um, uh, you know, encourage anyone doing an e-procurement system to uh, talk to you know, the providers um, to, to make sure that, that products can be identified um, in the e-procurement systems. Unfortunately, in Massachusetts, we're not able to do that at the moment. Um, hopefully in the future, we will be able to do it. Do any, um, does, any, does any of the rest of the, and I'm, I didn't mean to jump in, Julia, it's just I'm, I'm interested if anybody else um, has put in place a different solution to that problem or seen something they think was a good practice there. I'm actually keenly interested in that. So any, Jonathan, Jamie, Justin, have you seen um, anything different or are you headed in a different direction? That's one of the components, Dustin, that we will be looking at in the future for data collection. I'm not aware of any system right now that can adequately meet our needs. So I'm curious as to what others would think. We didn't, uh, whenever we did our e-procurement project here in Louisiana, um, we were surprised, you know, we, obviously we were aware of some participants out there, but there were some that we learned about for the first time. And one that I would definitely recommend to anybody who has a focus on eco um, awareness or eco-friendliness is, uh, it's a European company called Negametrics. I'd never heard of them. I'm willing to admit that. Um, but they're a Dutch company, and apparently in the Netherlands, uh, they have a law that requires that their process be entirely paper-free. So Negametrics is structured from beginning to end to never require paper. Um, and so that, that was pretty much their, their best foot forward was that, um, that angle. So I would encourage anybody interested in that to, to check it out, whether or not you already have any procurement solution. And I know yeah. that uh, Ecovatus does some some scoring as well. And so there's, there's different players. Justin, uh, do you guys do any eco labeling in any form? Like, so the end users know this is better than that. Yeah, there's a lot of interest, you know, there's a, there's a lot of interest in in doing that. And um, there are just some challenges related to it. Um, You know, earlier, earlier um, someone talked about um, the concern about sort of greenwashing and, and, and some of those, aspects are out there. So there's a little bit of a conflict of us wanting to do our own independent um, evaluation of items and to verify that they really are green uh, to accept third party certifications and do that to do that, uh, you know, item by item on that type of e-procurement data um, is really daunting. Uh, But there is just a lot of interest in, in how to solve that problem ultimately. So how do you make sense of all the <clears throat> the eco labels? Like I I was daunted by how many there are. And and I again, I don't claim to be a sustainability expert. I think I'm pretty good at public procurement, uh but learning that, I felt like I was learning things for the new time or for the first time and uh kind of got overwhelmed pretty quickly. Julia, you know what I'm talking about? There's probably 40 or 50 different uh labels that have different meanings? How do you make sense of all of it? Yeah, there are a lot of eco labels out there. And, um, 
you know, there are multi-attribute eco-labels. Eco Those are the ones that we tend to prefer, um, the multi-attribute ones. And then there are single-attribute uh, eco-labels. And it is, there, there are a lot, but I think that when you're doing a procurement, you're going to have, so you know, um, you know what your products and services are, and it can be narrowed down because of the category, right? So we do, for example, cleaning products, right? Um, and we require UL Eco logo and Green Seal and Saver Choice. And those are the three that uh, many states um, who do uh, include eco labels for cleaning products use. So that's, you know, it's a discussion, I think, with other states and um, also, we're in good contact with uh, EPA's EPP program as well. Can I just say one other thing <laughs> just about um, the e-procurement systems? Uh, you know, we've been in contact with uh, Periscope um, Holdings uh, with the, we use Combis, which is a buy speed, and they have a new product coming out, Marketplace. Um, and we've had a review, you know, we've been able to take a look at that uh, product and it does have the ability to identify products on a product by product basis on whether or not it's green, um, just from an initial look. So I know that there were, you know, we're thinking about expanding, we're going through lots of, you know, <laughs> user cases and experiments right now to see whether or not it'll fit with what we do. But that there is the ability to do that with that software system. As procurement officials, we are usually focused on the front end of how do we buy something or someone to come in and do a job. Um, but when you start thinking about uh, sustainability and environmentally preferred purchasing, it's not only how the product was created, thinking along the commodity lines, but it's how it will have an impact throughout the duration of the useful lifetime of the item. And then lastly, it's the disposal of the item. And CPOs are also often responsible for the surplus and or disposal of the item. So whether it's um, entering into another contract for recycling or working with your state surplus, um, all it's when you think about a P2P system, you have to think about the beginning of the process, the middle of the process and the end of the process um, to really achieve that sustainability. Yeah, I've, I've seen more and more of the discussion about circular supply chain and thinking about not only acquiring the things, but then how we dispose of them. And, and your point about how do we reduce single-use purchasing if we have a chance to impact it or packaging simplicity. Uh, there's a lot of factors, and I try to work a lot of those into the survey. And um, Julia was good on helping me go through it. And I talked to several sustainability folks and different things. So hopefully we hit a lot of these topics in the survey that comes. So Jonathan, we, we haven't really gotten a chance to hear from you on overall approach in Louisiana to some of the sustainability programs on any of the stuff you've talked about so far. So uh, why don't you jump in for a little bit and talk about what you guys do? Sure. Uh, so in Louisiana, a lot of the sustainability measures that we've been able to implement have been in terms of the means rather than the ends. Um, and so I'll put some meat on those bones. So like a lot of states, of course, uh, we've migrated to a paperless process uh, e-signatures, uh, again, you know, getting rid of the triplicate, quadruplicate processing of contracts. So that's that small stuff on the mean side. What I would 
want to express to the audience, you know, to everybody listening, is that in some cases it may not be that you have any sort of sustainable badging or labeling or like if you're in Louisiana, having that is not going to make the audience more persuaded to use it. You know, if anything, it would raise skepticism, unfortunately. Uh, But what we have been able to do is think in advance about what sustainable logistics for a particular good or service looks like. And so the best example I can give is uh, aggregates and fuel. So, you know, the state buys a lot of gravel, the state buys a lot of limestone, diesel, et cetera. Um, And so historically, we had done a statewide bid. You know, we need these different tanks to be serviced. And sometimes (laughs) we would get the the strange experience of somebody being able to offer a better price trucking aggregate across the state, um, you know, rather than sourcing it locally and delivering. And of course, for anything like that, which is super fuel intensive, we recognize that there is a hidden cost to that. And so one of the things that we've switched to, again, without having to, you know, label it as sustainable or anything else, even though it is, is more regional awards uh, in cases where we know that the logistics are very resource intensive, um, allowing local, you know, allowing things to be sourced locally um, without creating perverse incentives for there to be uh, wastefulness in the supply chain. Christina, Catherine, or Lisa, I don't know if any of you guys in your practice when you were purchasing uh, had to deal with environmentally preferred purchasing and had anything that you wanted to join in um, as we see if Kristen uh, wants to come back in. So Catherine, go ahead. Yes. Uh, during my time in purchasing, I have I can't say that environmentally preferred purchasing was a hot topic. I know that it was up and coming and it continues to, to be present in, in a lot of conversations. Uh, but I will say that uh, during purchasing, kind of to what Jamie was speaking about earlier, is that when we are making purchases, we're not necessarily thinking about, you know, once you buy a, a product, in this case, I'll say a car or, or anything that you're, it's going to have a, um, an end of use cycle. So it, we're not necessarily thinking about what's going to happen to the old, um, the old products, the, the old equipment. And that was one thing, as, as Jamie had said earlier, is that purchasing um, professionals, at least in Massachusetts, are often also in charge of getting rid of the surplus material. And that is something that I am very um, familiar with. So, and oftentimes it was, a, a, you know, a vehicle would be sitting in the lot, it was no longer needed, and there would be other ways you know, to get a revenue from from the vehicle. So it's nice to see that instead of it just being a purchase, that there's going to be a whole life cycle as far as purchasing what to do with the product you no longer need. Excellent. So I'll remind anyone who's listening on the podcast that as the time that you hear this, we'll be releasing pretty comprehensive survey on public procurement's use of environmentally preferred purchasing in terms of approach, organization, what standards you employ in different solicitations, how you present those to end users so it's easy to incorporate sustainability into everyday purchasing. And we'll also have a section for corporate members to be able to talk about some of their practices and the kind of certifications or use that they see that adds value. So there's a place for both private and 
public to talk about how public sector can increase more environmentally preferred purchasing. And we'll leave that open for about uh, three weeks. And then we'll produce some analysis out of that in the short term after that. Hi, it's Dustin Lanier. Thanks for listening. Please find me on LinkedIn for original public sector operations content every week. And please reach out to me if I and my team of procurement professionals at Civic Initiatives can help you be a public procurement change agent.